Hello. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the podcast. What's up? <laughs> Almost 30. Hello. Hello, everybody. It's Lindsay and Krista. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we see you twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays. If you're new to the show, welcome. We promise to always uh, have honest conversations, hopefully make you laugh and um, make you feel less alone and maybe teach you a thing or two. Who knows? Who knows? You can find us <laughs> anywhere you can find podcasts. We're on YouTube now. We're doing videos. So come look at our... Please leave Beautiful. a nice comment. Come look at my orange eyeshadow today. <laughs> <laughs> we were on this call with um, our coach, Jessica Sharp mm-hmm. of Sharp Brain Consulting. And I was looking at myself on Zoom. I was like, I have orange eyeshadow <laughs> up to my eyebrow. <laughs> and I was like, it looks like I... Ugh. I have I have moments though in this quarantine period where I'm like, I feel like putting on a full face today mm-hmm. and like really remembering how to do eyeshadow, how to do an eyebrow, mm-hmm. how to do the things. It's actually something I kind of miss. I know. Kind of miss it. Dude, you were showing me this hilarious video that was making fun of... Or not making oh my fun God, of, or a dude. commentary on true crime. And I was like, we dying. We kind of have to talk about so this. So I was talking to you. I think I've talked to you guys about Joe Castle Baker, who's this comedian in Los Angeles. And it's a very specific type of humor that I think... I don't want to... I'm not being one of those people that's like, it's a specific type of humor that not everyone gets. Like, it's hierarchical. It's really fucking weird. Mm-hmm. And it's very mm-hmm. me. It's like, I like stuff that surprises me. Yeah. I don't like puns. I don't yeah. like witty comments because there's no energy behind it. So I like whatever comedy it is to be very surprising and to like catch me off guard. I like it to be wild. Yeah. I don't know what... I don't know how to describe it. So he was doing this hilarious video where he was talking about, um, he's like, when your true crime friend... Should we play it? Yes. He's like, when your true crime obsessed friend... Her arms were cut off. Her legs were cut off. Her ears were cut off. Her tongue was cut off. Her nose was cut off. Her eyeballs were plucked out. Her eyebrows were then waxed. Her tongue was sliced open. Her hair was cut off. Her arms are cut off. Dude, this is what I do when someone asks for a spooky story and then the the caption on the actual reel is when it's your true when it's your true crime obsessed friends turn to tell a scary story. Dude. <laughs> it's so true. I don't know how you can be in that. Well, there was that comment the other day on a post about your solo episode. Oh yeah. From, so I did a solo episode yes. just like you know, I take them. I love them. I think they're life-changing. Why Why you should take them, how to take them, all this stuff. Take and, solo trips. And, and part of my thing, the tip was, you know, it's like, we know this, but like truly unplug. Mm-hmm. So like leave your phone. I don't even think I said leave your phone in the room, by the way, but that's how someone took it. And they said like, they were cute. They were like, we lo- I love you guys, but as a true crime obsessed person, it isn't safe for us to leave, not be with our phones. All the time. Like, we need our phones with us all the time. Love you. I'm like, if your podcast is making you scared to live your life, I think I we find another pot. I'm like, dude, that's so scary. It is really scary. And I, you know, I admittedly used to be a true co- crime fan. I like, I just like the story narrative piece of it and like the suspense. I don't like scary things in general, but like true crime, I was kind of like, oh, this is interesting. And I would watch. Law and Order. I used to watch like Rescue 911 as a kid. Love that. Okay. But now I actually can't. I can't watch or listen to any of that. I just am like, what is that? I don't, I sound like I'm being judgmental, but I genuinely am curious because I'm like, what is the, 
what is the wanting to be in fear? Maybe it's like our addiction to fear. Like we have this like mm. addiction to fear as in a society. And I'm not saying that I don't find my own ways to be scared. Yeah, 100%, That's the damn same. truth. So it's like, we'd have this addiction to fear and it fulfills that addiction to being scared because I mean, isn't every case a woman? Is, is not every case a woman? And to listen about all these cases of women being murdered by men in these torturous and dark ways seems like not the most enlivening of, you know, it seems. Yeah. yeah. And it's also just putting that out there, mm-hmm. you know, like for people, I don't know, for some other fucked up people to like maybe copy. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't I know. know. It's true. But it's also, you know, there is some really great true crime podcasts that bring awareness to the stories of victims mm-hmm. to like... So so I see the value in that, but I mean... Also, what about... Uh, I think we've talked to a murder podcast. I think... What about the families? Mm-hmm. I Do know. the families have say if people's... If their family... If their person, like their daughter or wife is talked about? I don't believe so. Unless... Unless they agree to they, be a part of it. Or like, I think you I would can think, do it no matter what. Yeah, I think they don't get a say. I don't think the family would get a say. No, but I think like some people do ask the family. Like, yeah, I hope. Do you want to contribute? Like, <laughs> do you want us to pictures? tell everyone about... I know. You know like, like how hard. Uh, you know? Yeah. I mean... Who freaking knows? Man. Unless it's a case that's not solved, maybe it's going to... Yeah. I mean, a lot of these that are on Netflix are not solved. Mm-hmm. And since being on Netflix, either they're not solved or it's the case of like wrong person mm-hmm. was accused, whatever. Yeah. And they bring the case back to court. They like revisit it. They revive the case because it's on Netflix or because it's this huge true crime. Yeah, it's actually helped a lot podcast. of crime stuff to mm-hmm. do that. So yeah, that's interesting. I don't know, man. I'm just... There was... um, I was in this Uber and there was this guy in Austin, in Austin and he was like obsessed with telling his female clients, the people that are in the mm-hmm. car. He said, always sit. He's like, always sit behind the driver's side. Because? Behind the driver because then if a man is going to reach for you. If you're diagonal, he can reach back and grab you. If you're sitting next to him, he can grab you, but reaching behind is very difficult. So to always sit directly from the driver. Ah, And he said, never sit in the front seat. Good one. Yeah. I don't know if he was warning me or... Prepping me. I know. Or, I was like, maybe he was just. It was maybe like, he was telling you the opposite of what. Yeah, literally. <laughs> but I thought that was an interesting thing. And mm-hmm. there also too, actually, there is a safety um, on your Uber app. You can find that there is something that will alert when you are feeling unsafe. So they do have safety precautions on your Uber app that you can look into, and I could find it where it would immediately call someone to help yes. you feel safe. I don't know what it is. But yeah, he was telling me about this. He's like, do you know about this on your app? You should know about this. Like, blah, blah, blah. Wow. That's really kind of him to tell you. Yeah, it was really sweet. I don't know where it is. Oh, manage... So it's under safety. So it's under your Uber app settings and safety. You manage trusted contacts and then you let your... You can let your loved ones follow your ride. Oh, so you can, that's a good one. You can let people know that you're... Which is really good to do if you're leaving late night. Yes. You know. But it's interesting. I mean, if I think about it, 
not for the number of Uber rides that are that happen, the amount of cases is so small. Mm-hmm. You know, which is not that it's not a big deal when there are cases, but I think people are safe. Yeah, I do. I do feel very. Safe. I err on the mm-hmm. err on the the side of safe. Mm-hmm. But there was something. This is so weird. Justin and I were trying to. We're just. There's nothing. I mean, this is so bad in quarantine. Obviously, there's nothing on TV. We've been watching TV for like a, an entire year, and just twenty four seven. And so we were on YouTube, and we were watching something on YouTube. It's a channel called Jubilee, and they mm-hmm. do really good. Um, they'll do like. Republicans and Democrats have a conversation or people that are pro-life and pro-choice um, have a conversation. Cool. It's really interesting. Okay, guys. So we have a, a special guest that's joining us. Special oh, yeah. guest. Justin, Justin Mafiance. <laughs> I lost left, my keys. So I, had, <laughs> so I crashed the party, but I'm here. <laughs> He's here. And you actually came at a perfect time because I was just talking about the YouTubes we were watching last night. Crazy. How it was so weird. Like it was... And I think this is... Well, first we were talking about uh, murder and true crime, how people are obsessed. Yeah. We watched this these YouTubes last night where these people go into these abandoned mansions. Okay. It is unreal. Okay. So we started with one. The clickbait was like in MTV Cribs abandoned mansion. It was this giant ass house in Boston. It had like a basketball court, a bowling alley, a sauna. And there was still tons of stuff at the house, but it had been abandoned for like 10 years. Bankruptcy or what? Who knows? So, yeah, we don't know. So, it's like, there's like this whole subculture on YouTube of like, people go into abandoned mansions and like, truly abandoned. Like, these are like million dollar homes that they didn't didn't sell. They just left them. Yeah, just like left for dead. There was one in Atlanta, I think. It was insane. It was probably like a $10 million house. Yeah. Old, historic, like... Whoa. Really ornate, really gaudy, all of these things. And it looked like there had been people living there. Like junkies had kind of taken over, filled with stuff. Stuff in the kitchen. Everywhere. Stuff. It's like, it's almost like hoarders. Ooh, that's creepy. It's hoarders it's, it's meets creepy. creepy. It's like hoarders creepy. The last one was insane. So now that YouTube's seeing that we're liking what we're seeing. <laughs> it's the just last feeding. one was insane. <laughs> it was a billionaire's abandoned house in Japan. $200 million abandoned. Left, yeah. It was fully marble. The place was fully marble. It had like black and white Masonic tile. And then everything was, everything was like a marble statues. There was animal, like there was like a dead bear rug. There was a dead like tiger rug. The $200 million house completely fucking abandoned. And was it like kind of run down or was it completely like so new? So just and like, untouched? just like natural wear and tear, like the paint was kind of like falling off, but nothing, mostly intact. Wow. Yeah. And so it's like, it's so many questions. There's like like a bathtub. There's like a a picture frame on the wall. You could have sold it for millions. Millions. At least, even at a big discount, but like they just chose to leave it. Yes. And there's a bunch of these. But they still own it. Who knows? I think. Someone owns it, but they're just like never going to move in again. They're never going to sell it. It's weird. Yeah, like they'll have like shoes places. It's weird because you see like the last of the remains of what they were doing that day or something. Yeah, like... Guys, I think this is a murder scene. Uh, No, that's the whole time. So So the whole time you're wondering what's going on, sometimes you figure it out. But like a lot of times they don't really figure out why people have left. So you're kind of... It's captivating. Yeah. 
And it's like broad daylight. It's not one of those like ghost right. yeah, shows. Like it's like it's broad daylight and they're just walking through this abandoned house. But yeah, there's a, so I guess there's a bunch of I these. I think the I one know. guy that was, the, it was a billionaire. And the guy that was like looking in the abandoned mansions said, he's like, it's crazy to see the difference between a millionaire's house and a billionaire's house. And he was saying in the billionaire, he said that he got caught for something, that it was something with arrest. And he basically, he had to flee. He flee. He fled. So who knows where he went? And I just, it's so crazy too, like in our culture and society that there are people that like don't have homes and then there's people that have billion dollars or multi-million dollar homes and just like flee. I guess when you're a billionaire, just leaving a $200 million mansion is like, well, all right. It yeah. was it was insane. There, it wow. Was, yeah, it's such a weird thing. So we were watching it yesterday. I was enthralled. How did you find this? What it was, was the on search? our... Was, YouTube knows you. No, dude. yeah, YouTube, man. YouTube has you has you locked. <laughs> YouTube knows <laughs> they me. know just what to throw at you. That's like, hey, like this isn't what you normally watch, yeah. but you might like it. Yes, and they got us. And I was we like, watched like five in a row, honestly, because you're like, and you kind of fast forward to like parts of the house. You're like, okay, I'm done in the. Remember his bedroom? His bedroom yes. was like. I mean, of the of the billionaires. Yeah, I don't know how to describe it. It like, was probably yeah, three thousand square feet at wow. least. Like the camera couldn't even see to the other end of the wall. Yes, like it was just like this huge open space. It looked like a ballroom, and it was just his bedroom. Yeah. Oh, remember the in the picture on the yes, bed? Yes, and there was a picture of a woman on the bed. Like actual a random picture that was just like thrown photo. on the bed, and she oh. was like, "Yeah, even more questions." Yeah, it's hilarious with the bedroom, like. A bedroom that's so massive. It's like a bed can only be that so I big. know. He had his bed on like, it was like five, it was like three rows. It was like really wide, less uh, yeah, wide. And yeah, then yeah. like the mattress. And then it was like this, it had, is double king a thing? Yeah. It, it was, had to be. It was, it was like two kings? Two it was kings. Two kings. <laughs> Enough for two kings. Uh, it was, I mean, I think the square footage of his bed is bigger than our bed. Yes. It's funny because the one that was in Georgia, like the Atlanta one, or I think it was outside of Atlanta. It was like the $10 million one. Trashed. Junkies had lived there, I think. And I'm saying that like, I think people, there was, it, everything was ripped down. Yeah. There was trash everywhere. There was like all this stuff. That's like United States. It's like people fucking trash everything. And then Japan, pristine. Of course. No one, no one. had touched a thing in that house. They wow. could rob that place, be good forever. Oh, yeah. There was a. I'm like, why isn't anyone robbing? There was this like place? full. Bro- um, what was it? Was it was it bronze? Yes, or bronze copper? and copper statues. And the guy was like, "Yeah, I think this just. I mean, this maybe as tall as a table, so like two and a half, three feet." And he was like, "Yeah, I think this is maybe four thousand dollars, five thousand yes. dollars, something like that." Which is like, whoa! Like if someone were just going there and take it, but like everything was just untouched. Christine. Who knows if that's like. It was just interesting to see the difference. Yeah. No, it was so weird. Why don't they just like... Yeah, I don't understand the ownership thing. It's like, why can't you just like knock it down and or or sell it or whatever? 100%. But I guess if someone owns it, then it's just... It is we what it is. We need to keep watching and figure it out. Well, yeah, I have so many questions. It's like, you know, things happen all the time and then the family will just sell the estate or right, whatever. Like, yes. Why hold it? That's the, that's the crazy part. Especially a place that big. Yeah. It was so weird. Weird. Yeah, it's so fascinating. And like sometimes, like the pool still had water in them. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I'm freaked out. It was freaky. I'm freaked out. <laughs> Is the there like a secret door there. or something? Oh, there's probably Somewhere, all kinds you know? of Wow. There That's has so, to be. You know? Especially in that Japanese one. There's a whole under. I need there to look up that Japanese there's tunnels. one. Yeah, there's tunnels, I'm sure. Yeah. And these, I mean, I guarantee you some people have 
heard of these because some of the videos had millions of views. Yeah. Wow. And there's like entire channels de- dedicated to this. There's this is we we stumbled across something big. Yes. <laughs> we should start our own. Oh my gosh, I'm down. Yeah, it's <laughs> It's so abandoned apartments. Yeah, honestly, <laughs> less, literally, less cool. yeah, like like less glamorous. Yeah. Like here's a cereal bowl from three weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, it's a fascinating thing. But um, oh shoot, I mean, this is what we're getting into at this point into freaking quarantine. Like, what the hell? I know. What's, I know. What's going on? I know. I was like, what? Take me to Mars. What am I? What can I watch right now that is so? I'm getting Dylan into Gaia. Gaia is so good. He's oh, like, what's Gaia? Good. And I was like. What have you been watching lately? I was half asleep last night, but one was good. A friend of mine sent it to me. It was about, oh, okay. Ancient cave paintings. Mm -hmm. Oh, cool. And so they look like animals or there's some that are dragons. And I think what they were trying to do, and again, I'm like, might be butchering this, but they were actually saying that the the way that they were drawn actually were representations of celestial yeah. alignments mm-hmm. at that time. So oh, it okay. looks like it's a deer, but when you actually when you place it brutal, against like the night sky, yeah, uh-huh. it like it was like aligns to certain yeah, exactly, yeah. and it and it happened to be the exact alignment like at that time based on the dating. So it's like, how are Whoa. these people that were essentially like like prehistory, like nomadic? No mm-hmm. real language at the time. Like what we think is like just grunting, right? Mm-hmm. Like they're just early, early humans have some sort of knowledge of oh yeah, the wow. stars yeah. the most. And so, and they found them in, I mean, these are just like one place. They found them in Italy, South America, Asia. So all spread out. It's like, wow. It's crazy. What's yeah. the wow. one that's in, I forget somewhere, but they have these drawings of basically extraterrestrials. There's like hundreds and hundreds of drawings of these like certain type of extraterrestrials. And then in Australia, because that's where like the oldest indigenous indigenous people mm-hmm. have, peoples were, they have tons of drawings on, on caves too. And I think they call it something. They call extraterrestrials something. Oh. And it's like known in their culture that extraterrestrials visit their land. I, I do know one in Africa. I think it's Mali. Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the Dogon tribe. So they were super indigenous. One of the oldest tribes, like central, I think, man, I'm wrong here with geography, but I think it's like central Africa-ish. Mm-hmm. And they would always say like, oh, you know, the gods came down. They told us about here. They come from this. And they knew that there was... There's Sirius star called, you know, called Sirius. Mm-hmm. And then they Sirius were talking star about... star system. Yeah. And they were talking about Sirius B, which is smaller and behind. And we discovered that like 20 or 30 years ago. And these people have been saying like, this is where, yeah. you know, we, we came from. Yeah. Which is super fascinating. So... And there's um, some tribes that call it like the time before the moon. Because the moon wasn't yeah. always in our... was We didn't always have the moon. So they, there are tribes that have talked about the time before the moon, mm. which is really interesting too. It's it's always interesting to go back to those texts because if we can't, like if present day 2020, we can't wrap our heads around what they're talking about, we just chalk it up as, you know, legend or myth. Yes. So they'll write everything. It's like, hey, here's how we did this. Here's how we did this. We travel around, blah, blah, blah. It's like everything is is spot on. But then when, once we run across something that doesn't quite make sense, instead of trying to investigate or yeah, look into it. Yeah, that's such a hilarious part of We're just like, of, oh, they, they didn't know what they were, you know, they're, yeah. they're too primitive to actually. That's such a hilarious part that what we do, it's like every single person before us was talking in myths 
but we're talking in truth. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. What yeah. is that? Like that we believe that everything was a myth before. Or it's very selective. Yeah. It's, it's selective very selective. Because... Unless it goes along probably with like biblical exactly. Christian. Exactly. Well, like, because there, there was, okay, so there was reasons for doing myth, right? If there's something that's hard to explain or like what they do is they would personify certain things to make it easier to pass down pre, you know, before you could write things down. So it's like, okay, like here's this story. So we're going to, uh, of this, the SAR system, but we're going to say like, you know, it was certain animals or gods. So myths did exist, but some of it is gray area because some, some of it's like not, these are like daily accounts, right? They're in a journal and not like a big mythical, like epic or anything like mm-hmm. that. So what's crazy is when they stumble across these, like I said, if we can't, understand what they were talking about or something doesn't make sense to us, we just immediately be like, oh, well, they're too primitive to actually be onto something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is like, mm-hmm. you know. Well, that's what we do as a culture with so right. many things. Like, yes. I was saying that, you know, just last thing, I was saying that with our government, that we, it's so funny that we know that every other government is corrupt, but we don't believe our own is corrupt. Mm-hmm. It's like, we know that every other country has like judicial system or government bodies that like cannot be trusted, but we trust ours. It's like, it's almost like a, a self-reflection. Like, yeah. it's like where you live or who governs you is kind of a reflection of self and to believe yes. that like it's corrupt might say something about you, which yes. it doesn't. Yes. But yeah, it's crazy. Anyways, welcome to our dinner table. Welcome <laughs> 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 to our dinner table like, discussions. What do you want to eat? <laughs> it is, uh, the, uh, it's awesome. The studio is awesome. Thanks. Every time like I come, it? it's completely different. Yeah. Oh, really? Oh, sorry. Not different. Like it's progressed. That's yeah. What I mean. Yeah. 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 Yeah, now we're doing video. Hopefully that's the goal. That's the goal. Progress, baby. baby. I'm excited um, about the episode today. Yeah, today's episode with Aaron Alexander is, is perfect for this time. Perfect for quarantine. Perfect. Talking perfect. about the body, alignment, health, nutrition, living holistically. It's going to be mm. a really, really good one. Really helpful. Yeah, that's- he's the founder of the Align Method. Actually, Justin, you need to listen to this one. I feel like with... Awesome. And because he talks a lot about, and us too, I mean, we're sitting a lot, but even with you being at a computer and just like proper alignment, it affects not only our physical body, but like mental body, like everything. And mm-hmm. I didn't realize that just like the alignment of our spine over our hips, oh. our shoulders, everything. You're making me fix my posture right now. <laughs> but we talk about alignment, we talk about mobility, we talk about mental health, we talk about social health, which is really interesting, just like being in community and how mm-hmm. this time, like during mm-hmm. the pandemic, it's all sorts of of crazy and why it's affecting us the way it is. We talk about hacks for this time during the pandemic, including like sun, boosting the immune system with plants. So it's just, it's a really interesting conversation. Aaron is That's incredibly awesome. smart. So awesome. Yeah. Yeah. He's so sweet. And you can find Aaron on Instagram at Align Podcast. He's also the author of The Align Method. He also sells incredible Align bands that are great and very home friendly. I just like wedge it in my door and it's great for stretching, working out, et cetera. Um, And then he has the Align Method online program. A lot of people are going to get aligned. Aligned. It's going to be amazing. All right, y'all. You guys enjoy this episode. Share it with friends. That's how we've grown. Any friend that you know is working from home that needs a little support in aligning their lives. And then we will see you at our Jenna Reese workshop, which is on breathwork. So Wild Hearts Breathwork, if you're interested and it's your first time trying breathwork, this is amazing. You can do it from the comfort of your own home. Or if you're a seasoned breathwork person, Jenna Reese is one of our favorites. Yeah. She's so powerful and kind and seasoned and trained. And we're really breathe. looking forward to that. You've got to breathe. breathe. <laughs> 
You can't just like stop, you know? <laughs> I feel like I'm high. I'm confused with like what's going on. <laughs> I love what's going on. Um, okay, I'm here you, to stay. You can like, <laughs> like and comment if, if you like this. If you don't, I'll never come back. Okay. <laughs> okay. So we'll see you at that. You're going to go to the workshop then. Great. Okay, perfect. Uh, you can go to almost30.com to get your tickets. All right, everybody. All right. Enjoy well, this one. Enjoy this one. We'll see you on the other side. Bye, Justin. Bye. Love you guys. Love you. Bye. The more attached you are to the idea of what you are, um, the higher likelihood of actually having like the loss of a thing. Yeah. But mm. from Allah Ramdas and, and lots of other, other folks, they would recommend uh, putting more emphasis into like the soul layer of yourself because that goes on forever. So there's nothing to fear mm-hmm. as opposed to putting all the emphasis into, I got to get that car. I got to get yes. that money. I got to get more downloads on the podcast. I can get more <laughs> follows on the internet. And I, you know, I got to like step up my, my status. Yep. If that's where all of your bandwidth is going into, there's nothing wrong with either side. Um, but for certain, you will lose that. Mm-hmm. So the sooner that one could start to put a little bit of energy into that like soul layer yes. coming from like mm-hmm. Ramdas talk, um, the more, you know, less you have to be concerned about because that never goes away. It's, it's, it's here, it's then, it's later, it's yes. always was, always is. In the documentary, it was so powerful when he said, when he talked about how after the stroke that it allowed him to go in even more. Yeah. And he's like, this is so wonderful. Like yeah. he was speaking to, when we're talking about the Ram Dass documentary, that's on Netflix. Yes. And him speaking to the power of him being quieter more and really being able to like go into himself and like the infinite possibility of his soul was so beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's like, the oh. best 30 minutes you'll spend on Netflix. Yeah, it was. It was so peaceful. Uh, yeah. It was so peaceful. Do you guys ever listen to his audio books or anything. I should. I listen to a lot of the... So East Forest has incorporated his... Oh, yeah. That his, amazing. Yeah. The yeah. Ram Dass album is oh, yeah. so beautiful. I use that to meditate a lot. But mm. I haven't listened to a lot of his audio. I highly recommend it. I okay. want to do some Ram Dass in like an Osho moment. Katie Kelly loves Osho. Mm-hmm. Want an Osho moment? Yes. I want to read... I want, a, I want <laughs> an Osho moment. 60 seconds Should of Osho? Should we do yes. an Osho moment <laughs> I right want now? a blinkest of Osho. I'm open. No, I want to just read more Do you want to do Osho. like Wild Wild Country? Yes, What's it called? Exactly. Wild Country? Oh, you want to do, go yes. do like a cult Osho moment? Yes. That's the I'm kind of moment that, that I'm too. looking to have. If you're going to do a cult, I would say 2020 is the time to start. I... Mm-hmm. Have you ever have you ever have you ever been te- like have you ever been asked to be in a cult or found yourself yes. in an environment where you're like oh this might be a cult and I literally cult I don't think of as bad yeah so I'm I'm wondering like I think what you're your always in cults, always in cults like the, like mm-hmm. my my belief system of what if I look back you know in re- retrospective like any time frame in my life. Um, I feel like my beliefs and you know the, the people that I followed and the thoughts that were streaming through my head and all that, it was kind of created by that era in my life. And then I come to another level and I'm like, oh, I don't you know, believe half of those things. But I was so em- emphatic about those at one time. So um, I think you're almost lucky in a way to be in an overt cult. Because you're like, oh, this is a cult. <laughs> where, where, it was like Ram Dass having his stroke where you're like, oh, okay, like the hard truth. Like yes. I really get to step back and recognize. Mm. So if you go, it's like drug addicts. You know, if you're a drug addict, in some ways, because it's such a, an obvious thing, like your community wants to reach out and help. You're like, well, I have, a, 
I've got to do some work. Mm. I really need to reflect. I need to look at myself. Where did this come from? Mm. What am I trying to get away from or any of that? Whereas if you're just a, a an addict to your cell phone or an addict to power or wealth or uh, mm. relationships, codependence, any of that stuff, if it's socially acceptable addiction, yeah. that's actually, uh, it's more insidious in a way. Yeah, like so the I would almost say like, Yeah, I would almost yeah. say like, you know, if you're in a cult, you're like, okay, I can really look at this. But I think we're, we're always I mean, in look cults. at what? Like, you're like <laughs> looking at the leader. <laughs> well, you get to have the moment of realizing like, wow, I was brainwashed yes. by some shit it's for just, two it, years. To the extreme measure or like, it's like having the extreme pain, having the extreme situation or having like the daily numbing mm-hmm. of social media, of codependent relationships, of whatever. And so going to that extreme, usually you can like, have that come to Jesus moment mm-hmm. where with the other things, you're kind of just going through your normal life because everyone's doing it. Well, the worst would be to get to the end of your life and realize that you missed out on mm, experiencing it to its fullest potential. You know, having your, you know, like Maslow, Maslow talk, like your, your actualized self or maybe experiencing love to its highest potential because maybe you went through the majority of your life in kind of like this fear place if you didn't want to get hurt. You know, and so could you imagine making it through to age whatever and you're transitioning out of this body and you finally drop your fear because you finally don't have anything to fear because there's nothing to protect because you're out of here. And you're like, oh, like, I could have loved. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, well, maybe next reincarnation. Too late. <laughs> <laughs> Not this time. Uh, uh, uh. Dude. With everything, I kind of want to like meet you where we are now, which is like fall of 2020. And we haven't been moving the way that we want. We haven't been seeing people in the way that we're used to traveling, etc. And so I'd love to start with like your how you've been doing and how you've been adapting and feeling around that. And then we can get specific. Well, I mean, I think it's... So I feel immensely... I feel like I get to learn a lot throughout all of this. And I think if you you're begin paying attention to any sector of your life, you will learn a lot. But because of all this stuff, it's been... It's forced me at least, probably most people listening to this, to, to really start to at least have some more space to introspect, um, time to start to look at like, what do I actually give any shits about? What's my role in the world? Does the things that I project out into the world matter? Um, is it actually supportive to the, the global tribe or my community? Or is it just me trying to flash images to get attention? You know, So that's been really helpful to have a, a little bit of like, kind of like a real talk of just like, mm-hmm. what am I doing with yeah. my time here? It doesn't matter. Does it even care? matter? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and 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 previous to the, you know, all like the, the virus stuff, I think I was much more, and still am, I still have, I, when life goes good, it's easiest to get on that, like the, the ego layer. 100%. Yeah. You know, and so it's like the nicest people oftentimes are the people that are in the roughest spots because they kind of step away from being like, I'm the shit. Like there's like, there's research with this where people, they rig, uh, researchers rig uh, board games. It's like Monopoly. And they put people in positions where they're like, oh, wow, you are, 
you know, you start off with a hotel and all this stuff, like you're going to win the game. You can't not win the game. <laughs> you know, and so then they go through and then by the end of it, they start reasoning all these reasons why like, well, I did this and I played it that way. And like, mm. they still will take credit for winning the game, even though they literally had no, all they had to do was just shake the die and just be there and they win the game. And they start, you know, being condescending and looking down at other people, you know, and meanwhile, the other people, uh, you know, so the winner will start to identify with the piece moving around the board. Like I am the piece. You know, and then the other people that are losing, they're forced to be like, you know, I don't even like this. This is a stupid game. I don't really like this game. They start looking out at other games. They start looking, examining the board and they look under the board and they start to kind of be a, mm. a little bit more introspective about the, what the game is. Um, and so previously, I think I was much more like I was the piece, you know, and I was just, it was just more. All I wanted was just like, okay, how do got more money, more podcast downloads, more, you know, band sales and book sales and just like more, more, more. And during and now there's been much more of like a sensation of like, truly, like, I don't know if I even care about any of that. Do I even care about hosting a podcast? Do I even care about getting, you know, suggesting people read my book and increase book sales and all that stuff? Like, you know, and the answer is, I I do think it's valuable. So I'm coming back around to yes, but at least I've had that time to have that question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because the more likes you get, the more you matter. (laughs) Everyone knows that. Every like is like mattering. (laughs) Every like is impact. (laughs) Every like is impact. Yeah, that's an interesting thing. I think, you know, in the the industry or the world that we are in, it's so numbers-based, data-based. And it's what's interesting is that it's like a lot of the impact is not tangibly seen. If someone hears on a show something inspiring to them, they'll go to their relationship and they'll maybe change the way they approach their relationship or maybe they're doing something posturally that changes how they operate in their day. But then on the other hand, it's like, okay, so how is that shown back to me besides like a DM? And it's like, I guess it's with a number, hmm. with a with a follow, with a like, with a download, with a whatever. Whereas like, and then that transcribes to money in some way. So it's like a weird net in the world that we live in with what we do of like how you determine your impact and how you determine like the value of what you do. And there's such an ebb and flow to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that there's, I did a conversation with somebody earlier today and they're like, how do you define something like hustling or something like that? And uh, happy hustle was his 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 like thing. <laughs> you know, like how do you happy hustle? And I'm like I'm like I don't like I I don't I don't even like the word hustle personally. Same. Um, but I would say my response was um, authentically being of service. You know, and so something that I find, and I and I know that you guys also are are kind of like triggered by this more new agey jargon. Um, <laughs> but I, I I like I appreciate this about you guys, where you're sensitive to people that are inauthentically being authentic, inauthentically being, uh, you know, being vulnerable, being yes. empathetic, being like all of the things. It's like, oh, like the polls say we're supposed to be vulnerable. Yes. You know, it's so yes. like, okay, like I'm going to do something vulnerable yes. today. It's like, no, that's not it. Yes. Mm-hmm. You know, so you're just putting a, a mask of that on top. It just kind of exacerbates the issue for everybody else. And so I was, I was thinking of, um, this is kind of tangential, but I was thinking this morning about, uh, we have when we consume food, we consume food that you know. Ideally, say if you're going to eat a potato, if you eat a potato, it's just a raw potato. It's like okay, you're not going to be able. It's not bioavailable. You're not going to be able to break that down. You know, so you need to like cook the potato, and then maybe you'll mash it up and you'll put some spices or whatever into it, and then you're able to assimilate that potato. And then 
in the same way, in order to actually assimilate nutrition, you need to have a, a viable uh, gut flora. You don't want to have parasites and all that stuff in there. You know, so the way that we are communicating with each other, if you're moving through the world in such a way that from like the gut flora analogy, you're closed down, you're not able to actually process any food. You know, and if you're consuming foods in the form of people, relationships, you know, your work, anything, uh, the social media stuff you pay attention to, podcasts you listen to, and that food is like an uncooked potato, it's not available, then you're going to have a problem being able to assimilate that information. So it's a two-way street. It's like any relationship. So I open, I do the work that I need to do in order to have the healthy gut bugs and kind of maybe trim out some of the parasite stuff and maybe like open my sphincters in order to be able to actually circulate and move and peristalsis and all that. I can take stuff in. I've done my work to take in. And now I'm consciously choosing what I bring in that that's available for me to consume. Then that's like a healthy organism. But a lot of people, I know this is a, a very roundabout way of saying something simple. Many people are closed off on either of those ends. And it seems superficially as though they're getting all of the nutrients but in fact, they're starving because they're not able to actually, the information isn't gettable and they're not perceivable. And so if we can start to you know, be operating in the world in such a way that like, I'm open to, to give and receive and I intentionally keep people around me that are available for me to give and receive and have that relationship, then I'm fed. But if you're constantly in a world where it's like, well, that person's closed I'm closed. And then we do this long dance for each other for a while. It's like we're kind of, we're starving the whole time. And, but it seems like we're being fed. I know that was a very meandery thought. Mm-hmm. I love that analogy, actually. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, I literally, <laughs> I literally wrote it down. It needs to be cut in about cut in half. Because um, <laughs> no, I can literally, workshop it here. literally I was like it. this morning, I was like, oh, I think it's like food. I think I get it. But yeah, I need to like write it down and have a moment with it. I love that. Yeah. I mean, and especially in a place like LA where we found we we have just incredibly real for lack of a better word relationships where people think about LA and they think oh there's a bunch of fake people out there and they're just trying to be famous etc but i agree it is that ability and willingness to be open you know because i think especially in the times that we're living in now you could feel pressure to come to the table with with like opinions and stances and things to like fight for and say and i think like what's what's really beautiful when and when i feel really good is when i'm in a conversation or with people where there is just this openness of giving and receiving like thoughts and ideas and opinions without like the judgment of self or the judgment of others that is really profound. Um, But I don't think like our media really promotes that, right? So um, yeah, I'm just like reflecting back that I get that. And I think that's really important. Yeah. Well, even like you right there, like I kind of went into like a deep in my intellectual weeds of like trying to define some point that I was scribbling down on a pad this morning. And so that was a little bit more like mind-based. And then I think you, both of you are very intuitive. So I think Lindsay like, was like, okay, we need to have 
some heartfelt communication. <laughs> and so Lindsay comes in with that, where it's like all of a sudden, like just listening to you, I probably stress people out with my last anecdote, my last story. And then Lindsay comes in and it's just like, oh. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I feel a lot better. <laughs> but even just the calm, yeah. And, and to that point, like just being able to have kind of these conversations, because so much of what we process as humans is like in our heads, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so, like, I'm. What have you found? Because I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong. Like, I see you, and I know you, but then I also see you on like Instagram, etc. But you have like a really solid group of people around you. I feel. What have you? Do you find that valuable? And how? Because mm-hmm. I want people. We get a lot of questions about like. I don't know how to make friends. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to find my community. Like, I don't, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. As adults. Totally. I think for me, the thing that's been really helpful for me to make connections with people, um, one would be like leading with the, you know, authentically serving, you know, mm-hmm. so like going into any room and moving into that room saying things that people probably heard before, like, how do I make this room better? You know, how do I leave this relationship? And that I did my damnedest to authentically. Uh, not necessarily trying to push anything or anything like that, but like leave that person better than they were before, uh, and just see like what's what's my role here. And if you don't have a a role there, maybe there's some other place that you do have a role, you know. And you might be forcing yourself into some clique or friend group or something like that. That's like those aren't really your people. Like you're you know a circle and they're a bunch of triangles, and you're trying to fit in there. And you're like, why don't they like me? Why don't? But it's like, well, maybe you don't really have a, a role in that group. That's okay. You know, and so I think that that's one thing is like looking at, and also maybe the thing that the role that you have might not necessarily be that you bring some material thing to the table. It might be that you bring humor. It might be that you bring, you know, empathy or, you know, like a heartfelt word like Lindsay to kind of balance out my like intellectual pontificating kind of rambling. You know, so like it can be a lot of things that you bring and that just might not be the right click in that moment. And then the other thing is being authentic with doing the things that actually bring you joy. Because if you are doing that, you're not in the places that you think you're supposed to be, but you're in the places that actually do open you up. You know, they make your metaphoric digestive system available to be able to actually assimilate nutrition. If you're in that with regularity, now naturally you're going to be around other people that are doing that same thing. And then you immediately have something in common. And then right off the bat, you're like, oh, cool. Like, I'm into archery. We'll go to an archery range. You're like, oh, tell me about your arrows. And you have something to bounce off and talk about. It's like, okay, well, maybe let's go, maybe we'll go hiking. And, you know, and then you, so I think it's, you're, it's really important that if you are like moving to a new place, for example, or you've been in an old place and you just don't feel like you have good connections, to be honest with what actually brings you joy and do more of that. You know, and then the other part of that is if you are honestly doing things that bring you joy, people are magnetized by that. Yeah, so it's it could be that for a long time you've been putting yourself into positions that you feel like it's like the right thing to do, the cool thing to do, you know, or it's the best thing for your career or whatever. But that's coming from that that closed digestive tract. You know, so the sooner that you can put yourself in a place that's like, oh man, I just feel good here. That you know, build it and they will come. You know, be there in that position, and you'll attract the the nutrients in the form of people that can actually you know feed you. Yeah, I think it's, it's so important to just know yourself. Yes. You know, in both of those, it's like, what do you have to offer? And it's not like you have to go into every relationship like, 
I have to offer a shoulder to cry on. You know, it's just, it doesn't have to be that, but it's knowing yourself enough to know how you can impact people and then finding the right people that kind of are your puzzle piece. You know, like what's the other side that you are looking for that's going to complete you or be a mirror for you. And then, yeah, people just doing what you want to do. Like for your own personal joy is so important. Yeah, I think when people are searching, sometimes it's like, it makes it a little bit harder because it's always that lack mentality. With everyone being home, you know, and not moving as much and probably being in front of the computer more and being on Zoom calls, like what have you been doing yourself and what have you been teaching or telling people about how to be more aligned as we're home more and we're not able to do the normal fitness and health things that we usually do? Yeah. Um, well, so one, you need to get sun exposure. So if you are, say, in a place where it's like illegal to go outside, for example, uh, crack a window, you know, open it up, make sure you're getting full spectrum of light, uh, make sure it's hitting as much of you as possible. You know, maybe, you know, take your shirt off, take your glasses off, you know, and allow that sun to actually be able to permeate your eyes because that's helpful with making you literally feel happier. It, mm. it tunes your neurochemistry. You having that exposure to sun, it also helps you with, uh, helps prevent things like like um, nearsightedness. Mm. So when people, and I think it's, I believe it's in South Korea, perhaps China, um, maybe both, a really high percentage of children and adolescents are myopic, something like 93%. Whereas previous times before uh, the advent of being inside a lot um, and staring at things up close, mm-hmm. especially like blue lit screens all day long, the incidences of that was were very low, uh, you know, with like, with, um, I don't know the specific numbers, so I'm not going to try to mm-hmm. bullshit it, uh, but they've been dramatically going up. The more people go inside and remove themselves from sunlight, the, they literally, their eyes, they start to change shape. Like you start to collapse in a sense. Wow. So you really need to expose yourself to sun with regularity. Uh, also to boost your immune system, you need to expose yourself to plant life. You know, so when you are exposing yourself, being around plants, you know, in Japanese is a term called shinrin-yoku, which means uh, nature bathing. And essentially what that is, is, you know, they, they study the whole plethora of benefits that, that manifest from just like taking a walk through the woods. So when you go through around plants, you're literally breathing in the chemicals like that plant. It's not just over there. You bring a plant to your house. It's in your whole house. Mm-hmm. And so you breathe in various different chemicals, one of, one of which being called um, phytoncides, which end up literally stimulating your immune system. Now, so when you're around plants, it boosts your immune system. Uh, that's a pretty big deal. It also helps with um, hospital pa- patients in hospitals that have exposure to plants or like a window to look out of. They need less pain medication. Wow. Uh, they're also they also will be uh, they'll be able to leave their their stays. Typically, it's like one to two days earlier than what they would if they didn't have access to being able to look out wow. a window, have access to uh, plant life, because all of those things they kind of send mm. this subconscious kind of indication to your nervous system. Our, you're like sorry, outside for our healthcare system, it's like that would be a grave savings. Huge, man. I mean, if we think about that, like the way we structure and can build hospitals by allowing them to have yes. windows and plants, saving one to two days of people's stay is, is insane. Yeah, billions of dollars. Billions of dollars. Yeah, but, but, but then you look at the other perspective, which I don't want to get too into like the right. political pharmaceutical kind of weeds, um, but billions of dollars saved 
uh, is billions of dollars lost for people that are selling you things while you're there. 100%. You know, so I don't know enough about that topic to really be like overly impassioned by it. But I think most of the things that we need to be really healthy and have longevity and, you know, look at like the, the blue zones, Dan Butner stuff. Uh, those people are drinking wine and eating gluten bread and, you know, breaking bread with their family and friends and they're walking up hills with regularity and they're getting all the way up and down off of the ground and they're working in dirt and, you know, like none of that stuff really costs anything, you know, but we're in a Western culture. We're in a place where we have access to more healthcare and biohacking gadgets and all that stuff than anywhere else in the world. On paper, we're the healthiest culture in the world. Like we should be, ideally, if you look at what we have access to. But then statistically, you know, of uh, I think two out of three, it's two out of three Americans are either overweight or obese. You know, it's a similar thing with, with diabetes and prediabetes. Uh, three out of five Americans report being lonely. You know, so there's like, all statistically, if you look at what's happening to us, it's like, huh, Andrew, we're going in a strange direction. It seems like each year, the statistics, at mm. least, you know, which there's a Mark Twain quote said that statistics, I said there's lies, damn lies, and then there's statistics. So I'm always trying to be kind of like not overly deep into stats that I hear. But it seems if you if you read those things and you look around, it seems like we're kind of going in a direction that seems a little bit fatter, a little bit more diabetic, and a little bit lonelier. Uh, but meanwhile, at the same time, we're having more amazing gadgets that combat that. You know, so it's like, huh, maybe it's not a technological, advanced, scientific solution for this ancestral uh, problem. Maybe it's just, you know, take a walk outside with a buddy. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. in some plants. Maybe squat every now and again. Uh, maybe play. You know, do you need to have that? dogmatic fitness regimen, or maybe it's okay to allow yourself to start to to bend your mind and your body and your joints into positions where it's like, what happens if you just play with a dog? The dog will turn you and twist you and do all these things with you that 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 linear machine just wouldn't be able to do. You know, what happens if you hang out with kids for a little bit? Kids, before they get indoctrinated with all of the beliefs of how they should stand, how they should breathe, how they should walk, the sports that they should do, the sports they shouldn't do, how they should dress. All of those stories kind of start to pervert their natural, biological, felt state. You know, so I did an interview with uh, Neil Strauss, like I think it was like a year ago, and we were, we were talking about his uh, son, uh, Seven. And I was like, we were talking about fatherhood and this and that. And uh, one of the things that he said, it was like his goal, Neil's, he's very wise. I really appreciate like his, you know, any kind of things that he, he suggests. And his perspective with raising seven was how do I not pollute him with too much of those, those stories? Like he's so himself right now. Mm. Like he's really, he's really in it. You know, so how do I just facilitate the blossoming of that as opposed to trying to put too much stigmas and dogmas and confines and structure around that person, but enough structure to allow him to move through the world, but not so much that he suffocates in it. Mm-hmm. It's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. That would be, you have to figure that out for yourself and then be like, okay, how am I doing this to myself? Mm. How am I putting stories on me? How am I subscribing to confines or dogma or practices that aren't 
something that I'd want my kid to do. But I feel like it will be like a fresh start with a kid. Yeah. You know what I mean? That'll be so fun. And it's also at the same time kind of hard. So thinking about if, to your point, if the parent isn't subscribing to that, the child is ultimately learning from the, what the parent mm-hmm. does, not necessarily what they say. Yeah. So it's like, they, you know, Neil could say like, explore, do whatever you, you right. know, whatever. But if he's not modeling it, to your point, it's a confusing message, which I think like, maybe it's a our generation. Like, I feel like I had a lot of confusing messages. It was like, go do whatever you want. But then like, my parents were certainly not like pursuing their own dreams. So it was like confusing to me yep. subconsciously. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You see that with exercise as well with kids. Uh, parents that just naturally do exercise and play sports and all that stuff. Uh, naturally, the kids will end up being much more successful in sports and they'll just naturally be more inclined to like want to, you know, play baseball and want to go yes. run and want to go play. You know, and it's like that's we think. And that's where more kind of COVID stuff, which I've I've withdrawn my opinion on anything political essentially, because I've I've had many lashings in various directions. And so I'm kind of like, I don't know what's going on. I have no idea. But something that is interesting that is a byproduct of all of this stuff is um, removing the ability for people to see facial expressions is very strange. <laughs> like when we're communicating to each other, it's like you, there's a, there's a guy, another guy I did a podcast with called Paul Ekman. And he is, he's one of the most cited, um, I believe he would be a anthropologist, psychologist, one of the most cited researchers in the world. Uh, really interesting guy. He lived in Papua New Guinea for a while. Uh, and he studied the people out there, tries people that had no access to other people around the world. And his belief was kind of going against what Darwin believed of the belief that our facial expressions is something that's learned. You know, and so if I smile or I frown or whatever, that's like, oh, that's like cultural stuff. You just learn that. It's like, no, that's like deep mammalian stuff. When you, mm. anywhere in the world, if you have a certain sensation, if your cheeks go up, he outlined uh, 10,000 different facial expressions and their specific meanings. And so when you put yourself into various different facial expressions, uh, it literally changes your chemistry. It changes your thoughts. It oh, changes yeah. your feelings. You guys have probably heard of like the pencil study where you put a pencil in your, in your teeth and it forces you to smile. And then people mm. end up um, reporting being like feeling happier, finding things more comical, being in like a happier state. When you put a uh, golf tee in your brow to furrow your brow, but you like resting bitch face type state, uh, you'll find things more annoying and more aggravating. You know, and so you're communicating that information to yourself based off of the way that you move. You're also communicating to each other based off of the way that you gesticulate and move your, you know, your, your facial mannerisms and all that. And so when you remove that, you're removing a, a huge chunk of human communication. And so I, there's no, I don't have any like scientific evidence or anything like that, but I, I, I am very interested to see what will happen to kids that are in their primary learning stage at like zero to seven stage where they're essentially just absorbing the world around them and being predominantly not having exposure to that human empathy component of being able to see. All you see is people's eyeballs and sometimes they're even wearing glasses and a hat. So to move through the world and, and lose all that potential to get to like feel people with the way that they move, I don't know, but I think it's going to be a very interesting thing. Like I'm looking forward to like, you know, 10 years down the line because there will be research 
And it'll be interesting to see like, that's what happens when you remove faces. And that's what happens when you remove contact. And that's what happens when you uh, integrate fear into a place of, of other. You know, and that's what happens when you uh, become, you feel more safe with living in a, a hyper sanitized bubble. You know, because your, your body, it demands, it needs bacteria and it needs to, you know, the blue zones, the people working in the dirt, they're being exposed to, to millions and billions and trillions of little microorganisms and bacteria and viruses that their body is essentially exercising. Their immune system is able to exercise. When you sterilize everything, and you essentially like, you know, uh, you're, you're like making war with your good and bad bugs. Um, it can be very pro- problematic for your mm-hmm. immune system. Mm-hmm. So, um, Wasn't again, there a book, Eat Dirt or something? Probably. It's There's like an author that wrote something about the importance of the microbiome mm. of dirt in the food yes. that you eat. Yeah, you can get dirt supplements. Yeah, literally, it's like oh. it's just. I mean, that's what a lot of probiotics are. Yes, probiotics. You're like, yes. But there's but there's little like sprays where you can like spray dirt that they get from like the African savanna and all this place. Like the huts of people have these diverse microbiomes, so we'll get the wow. dirt and like spray it on our oh yeah, you know, Venice faces. Oh yeah, Doctor Axe. His that's book right. is called Eat Dirt. Why leaky gut may be the root cause of your health problems in five surprising ways. Steps to cure it. Yeah. So I would recommend in 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 uh, relation to like what do we do during this time. Um, like start a garden would be huge. Like you need to get your hands, fingers, and knees in dirt, you know? And while you're in that garden, you know, breathe and breathe through your nose uh, and emphasize maybe if you are feeling stressed, there's a good chance there's lots of reasons that one could feel stressed right now. Uh, you could emphasize the exhalation. And so when you're exhaling, you think you, <sighs> when you're like, oh, we made it. Mm-hmm. Got to the finish line. Oh. Even just hearing that, mm-hmm. literally, it sends a signal. It's like, oh, okay, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, versus if I'm scared, I go, <gasps> yeah. I breathe in through my mouth, my shoulders raise up, you know, and so that, that's all, that's, those are all built in systems that have been there since, you know, you were many, many hundreds of thousands or millions of years ago. Your older organism self was having similar responses to mm. when something startling would happen, uh, when you felt loved, when you felt connected. You know, so throughout the day, if you have an instance where you do feel connected, you feel safe, you feel supported, you feel like you're with your tribe, your family, you feel like you're winning, what happens? Your breath changes. It might slow down. It's easier to exhale. Your shoulders drop. You might relax the tension in your hands. All of a sudden, that TMJD stuff, or you're having that, you know, that stress in your jaw could relax. You know, so there's a lot of different uh, systems and action when you're going through either stress or pleasure or any of those states. And you have the power to start to pull on any of those toggles if you, you know, if you choose. So one toggle could be breath. Another toggle could be dirt. Another toggle could be taking your body through a four-inch motion. Stretch your face out. Go through like face stretching exercises. Get that, if that brow going down into the resting bitch face position makes you be a little bit more aggravated, maybe you could take your fingers and kind of lift that brow up a little bit and do some eye exercises. Mm. Maybe you could look up into the left as opposed to being chronically stuck looking down into the right. Oh yeah, I wanted to talk about that. Mm. You know, so all of those different things, like you, if you impact any system in the human experience, it will trickle through every other system. So it doesn't matter what you do. All that matters is that you 
do something. You know, and so people that are selling books or selling supplements or selling products, their tendency is to say, like, this is the thing. But the reality, it's just one of the whole plethora of handles that you can start to pull on to start a conversation with yourself. Yeah, totally. I did. Want to, I wanted to talk. Agreed. I wanted to talk about the phone, the phone bio mechanisms. Like I thought that was so interesting in your book, and that's what you alluded to is the fact most of us are right-handed, and so we reach for our phone in our right pocket, and that causes torque because we're twisting, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then our neck too, and then our eyes are consistently looking down in the same direction multiple times a day. Yeah. It's essentially putting like a like a musculoskeletal twist in your in your structure because your eyes, you can think of your eye muscles almost like the reins. I mean, if you're if you're ever riding have you ever rode a horse? Mm-hmm. You pull the reins right. Where's the horse go? Pull the reins left. Where's the horse go? You know, so your visual muscles, when you people can do this at home now, and I have this example in, in the in the book as well. If you put your hands behind your neck, there's this place called the suboccipital ridge. And there's all these tiny little muscles back here. Mm-hmm. If you put your hands back there and then you just look up, can you feel those muscles mm-hmm. starting to contract? They yeah. turn on. You feel that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. People yeah. Don't, don't at home put your... And even if you're doing this at home and you're like, what the hell are they talking about? Just start Everyone's to, in their car like... Ah. <laughs> just starting to... Just starting... Well, you can do one hand. Um, just starting to, to lengthen that tissue back in and around that, that ridge. It's going to be yes. really helpful with the function of your nervous system. Yeah. Uh, but the reason I'm doing that example is your eyes are synced up to your, to your muscles. You know, so if you're chronically looking one direction, looking up, looking down it will start to create a little compensatory torsion pattern in those muscles in the neck. And then that will compensate and bounce down into the spine and the hips and to the the rest Mm. of the body will hold that tension. So until you come into a place where you get to relax those eyes, uh, the the highest likelihood is that you're going to have tension through the body and you can get all the massage and all the things that you want. But if your eyes are chronically held in that position, you're just going to pop yourself back into that, that tension. And then the other part of that is your, uh, Dr. Andrew Huberman, who's, who's a, a good friend and he's just a, a, a brilliant, uh, he, he works, he's a professor at Stanford and he does a lot of research around the way that your visual muscles affect your autonomic nervous system. So he reviewed the whole um, visual chapter in the book, thankfully. And uh, he gets into how your eyes, they, they are your brain. It's a continuation of your brain. So if your eyes are chronically held in that stressed state, you're literally stressing your whole central nervous system. So if you want to relax a little bit, if you're feeling like maybe you're feeling almost like you got like adrenal fatigue, you're always stressed, you're wired, but tired. And you know, you're in that place where like, I'm out of control of my nervous system. I'm doing everything I can. I'm putting CBD oil on my, you know, armpits or whatever I do. I read a biohack, but your eyes are chronically stressed because you spend so much of your time looking into screens, looking into cell phones, being inside closed walls where they're not able to actually look out into that panoramic vision. So to wrap it up, like an actual actionable tip that people can utilize, if you're feeling stressed, same thing that we had the tip of the exhalation with your breath, something that you can do is to calm your nervous system down is put your eyes into panoramic mode. So this is one of those toggles. This is a tool. So if I'm I'm wigging out, I'm doing a thing, then I'm like, oh God, I feel like I'm coming out of my skin. I drink too much coffee. It's okay. Long exhalation. Maybe you could even do like a hum. 
Mm. It was helpful with the vagal tonicity and all those things. Uh, and also look out into the distance. And what that sends is a, to, is a signal through your nervous system that, okay, I'm receptive. I'm taking it all in. That's what my mammalian animal self is doing. I'm out in the savanna. I'm looking at it's like like Lion King, <laughs> I was gonna you know, Lion King. holding Simba, and I'm just looking out over the kingdom. Oh, wow, look at it all. Then all of a sudden, Mufasa, you focus in. You see the attack. You see the enemy coming. Your vision goes in, myopic, focused, so great that we have access to that because that starts to you know stimulate the norepinephrine and the cortisols and all the things to put you into action, ready to fight, ready or flight, or do whatever you need to do. The modern movement mold is structured for Mufasa to always be around. We're always in that, that state of really focused vision. But instead of Mufasa, it's your cell phone, it's your iPad, it's your computer screen, uh, and it's your lack of just moving outside and like doing what you did as a kid. You go look at clouds. <laughs> you go out in the woods, you look up at the trees, say, is that a bird? Wow. Your, your mind wanders. Your mind follows your body. Your body follows your mind. It's one in the same system. Yeah, love mm-hmm. that. I always wrote that down too about looking in the distance. That's been super helpful for me. And too, because I'm super pitta in Ayurveda. So it's very mm-hmm. vata to look in the sky. So it's balancing too from yeah. an Ayurvedic perspective to just look in, in the sky. Mm-hmm. You seem like you guys balance each other. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. How would you describe your... Um, your he looks close fire, fire. Yeah, literally, literally. <laughs> gasoline and fire. Isn't that cool? Um, how do we balance each other? I am kind of that person that's like looking up at the sky, but and she's like so. It, what's cool about the balance is that like I'm reminded of parts of me that I am sometimes like afraid to really access, like mm-hmm. that focus, like that that having like this kind of bird-like perspective. Mm -hmm. She's a protector. And sometimes that scares me because I'm like, whoa, then I see the full potential. Mm -hmm. So, and that's just like a little human part of me that's like, ah. So it's cool to kind of like activate those parts of each Mm -hmm. other within the business and like in friendship. You need need to have, it's like, it's like a water bottle, you know? So you, in order for this to be an effective vessel in order to get water into my face, I need that hard structured in this case, you know, somewhat linear-ish structure to be able to hold the fluid, mm-hmm. you know, but if all I have is about, so like new age hippie circles are like, you know, screw the man and, you know, like down with cell phones and down with everything, you know, we're just living in the woods, you know, it's like, well, those people, that's, that's fine, but they're probably not going to have a lot of like ingenuity. They're probably not going to like really like get a lot of stuff done. Mm-hmm. They probably never actually really make it to the woods because mm-hmm. they didn't have a container to get them to the woods. Mm-hmm. You know, and so they just kind of spin their wheels. It's too much fluid, mm-hmm. you know, and then there's the people It's like, well, if you're the bottle, the container, you're the walls and the structure. Well, now you need some fluid to contain. Mm. You know, so when you find the fluid... And the container, it's like, oh, we're really yeah. doing stuff. Yes, we're pouring sure. some liquids into some faces. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, your analogies today are on point. It's amazing. Um, you mentioned before it was just a, a brief point, but I kind of want to go into it. The breathing through through the nose only. Yeah, yeah sure. What effect does that have? Oh, so many things. You know, so uh, there's a guy, Weston A. Price, 
that he was a, a dentist that traveled around different countries and uh, specifically in search of like what the hell is going on with modern people's mouths. So a, a, a stupid high percentage of pe- people suffer suffer from a thing called malocclusion, essentially like crooked teeth. Um, and you know their upper jaw, their upper palate will be uh, compressed. Like I, I experienced this as a kid. I had like a bell-shaped curve around my upper jaw. You have to get an expander? Yeah, it's a terrible experience. But really helpful, really important stuff. And you can get that Whoa. as an adult as well to create some space around your nasal cavity. Because so it could cause... I have a friend who has still has it and might need a, like, like an expander or surgery of yeah. some kind, but he suffers from uh, almost like a sleep apnea uh-huh. yeah. of sorts because yeah. the tongue is like doesn't have a space to fit in. Correct. Okay. Yeah, so you can start to almost like choke on your tongue. Yes. Yeah, and so so that's something that uh, naturally, if you grow up in a more ancestral lifestyle, which I'm not, uh, I, I try to avoid like romanticizing like hunter gatherer Neanderthal, like well, like they had it so much better. I think it's just different. Like we've got a lot of cool stuff. Being able to like microwave a pita pocket, you know, and fly to Asia is cool. Mm-hmm. Like it's like there's nothing <laughs> wrong with any of that stuff, and being not having you know, hard food to chew and gristle and all that stuff, that strengthens your jaw. It literally forms your facial structure. You know, and so if you are uh, only being exposed as a child to really soft food, you're missing out on a primary developmental stage in your life slash the rest of your life. You, know, you want to chew on stuff. So if you don't, you know, maybe chewing on a toothpick or chewing on some gum or something like that can be helpful to kind of add a little bit of that. Like, like pound for pound, your master muscle is the strongest muscle in your body. I think your tongue was. Mm. Uh, I think it's your master. As far as being really tiny. Okay. Yeah. Mm. And, I mean, that's what I've... I've, I've <laughs> they're both quite strong, but you're... you're, yeah, you're, 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 you're we just want muscle. views on YouTube. Get that tongue out. <laughs> no, honestly. Because yeah. well, um, the, the tongue is quite strong, but um, it's it's much larger. So wow. the master, yes. I think it can exert 200 pounds of pressure. Whoa. Uh, Holy it's moly. it's tiny little guy. You know, and, and so your your jaw is, is built to chew and rip you're and, right. and all that stuff. Um, you know, and so when you're breathing, so that's one thing. A chewing is a, is a major part of the conversation. Uh, the other part is like adding sugars and processed foods and all that stuff. But another big part is breathing through your nose. Your your nose is is structured to breathe air. Your mouth is structured to eat hot dogs and you know put food in and chews. <laughs> hot dogs Ve- only. Vegan hot dogs. You know whatever you do. <laughs> but your mouth is built to chew. Your nose is it's built to breathe. Like that's what it's for. And so when you start to outsource that process to the mouth, uh, your body's not really prepared for that. It can when you're at really high, like in, in the Align Method book, I describe it as like the, the fifth gear. You know, So when you get into the fifth gear phase of movement where you're huffing and puffing up hell, you're at the top, you need to get as much air in and out as you possibly can. That's when the mouth is quite fine. But that mouth is like the nitric oxide or the, the nitrous boost on a race car. It's like, you know, fast and furious. You're at the end. You just barely need to win. There's a, <gasps> you're at that point. Mm. But if throughout the day, so what that does is it sends those signals to your nervous system that like, okay, we're in fifth gear. But fourth gear, third gear, second, if you run your car in fifth gear all the time, you burn your engine out. So throughout the day, if you want to send a signal to your nervous system and your whole biochemistry that I'm calm, I'm collected, I, I got this. I'm all put together. I'm good. Even if you're under great stress. And I watch this with like fighters. I like watching UFC and all that stuff. I will 
look at the breathing pattern of fighters when they go back to their corner. And that to me, if I were betting, I'm, I'm typically not, but if I, if I was, um, I'd be like, oh, that's going to be a major indication of how they're going to do. So that person that comes back and they're really focusing on that nasal breath, yeah. it's like, okay, they're, they're calm. But the fighter, as soon as you see their jaw drop and you, as soon as you see, they're, they're done. They're, they've, they've hit the nitrous boost. If they don't win in the next like 60 seconds, it's going to be problematic. And so when you're breathing through the nose, you increase um, nitric oxide into your bloodstream. So it's helpful with uh, circulation of blood. Um, you also, it's, it creates a little bit of pressure. It's because it's a smaller passageway. So it forces those diaphragmatic muscles to come online. So when you breathe through your mouth like that, there's no pressure. There's no pressure. You breathe predominantly up in the, the top portions of the lungs, which is the smallest portion of the lungs. It also it indicates to your nervous system that you're stressed. So when you slow it down, breathe through the nose, you could even emphasize that exhalation. It's not only mechanically is it making your body move more effectively, uh, but it's literally sending that signal because the mechanics are tied in to your whole nervous system that you're put together, you're calm, you're collected, you're safe. Once you go into that mouth breathing pattern, it's the opposite. And it changes the structure of your face because this is the last thing I'll say on it. When you breathe through your nose, people can play with this right now, you breathe through your nose, naturally your tongue will be up at the roof of your mouth, right? When you breathe through the mouth, your tongue hangs down the bottom. You get that receding chin. It's not attractive. So you, being, being ladies, or men or women, uh, you will not be attracted to mouth breathers. You will not be attracted to people that have like the receding chin. You will be attracted, depending upon where you're in your, with your, your, uh, your cycles, actually, it changes. Um, but you will be attracted to people with more prominent facial features, Right, so you want a chiseled jawline. You want to be able to see that, like the like the the, the lines of the face. That's like whoa. That's like man. Mm-hmm. It's like testosterone. Wait, based on your cycle, so based on your moon cycle, where you can be more attracted to certain facial features. When you're ovulating, you'll be you'll be more attracted. This is like way outside of my scope of expertise. This is some stuff that I've, yeah. I've I've read. So there's somebody else that could probably you know go into it much deeper. But when you're ovulating, you'll be attracted to people that are more like chiseled jawline, chopping wood, chopping wood out mm. in the woods, like raw, like full lumberjack man. Um, and when you're not, then you'd be more attracted to someone that could be probably like a homebody and like mm. safe and will support a child. Mm. And you kind of ebb and flow. And your what? voice as a woman changes and your facial structures actually change slightly as well. So we're there's no static human. Yeah. Mm. Every day, every moment, you're a different person. You know, and so like literally like the structures in your face will be different too. And you'll probably notice, you, you may notice depending upon where you're in your cycle, you might notice more attraction from other men and you probably notice being attracted to other men or women or whatever your preference mm-hmm. is. Am I wrong? But no, I wonder yeah. if it's, yeah, I was just thinking, I wonder if it's like when you're on your, when you're ovulating, you are looking for more testosterone, I guess, to like fertilize an egg. So oh, the yeah. testosterone would is. lead to more, yeah, like the chiseling of the face or like those masculine type features that are present mm. when there is higher testosterone. Correct. And then the other parts of the cycle, it's like more of the the balance that you're looking for because you want the caring for the yep. baby. Mm. And historically, in many hunter-gatherer tribes, sex wasn't just purely monogamous. You know, so it was more of like a tribal thing. And the belief still today in some places was that the child is not just from like one partner, 
but the child is a product of all of the partners that you've that you have had sex with. And so then when the child comes out, it's like it is it's not it's not just testosterone wood chopping guy and homebody guy and all that stuff. It's like oh no, like it's the tribe's child. And so if you are in a smaller band of people, like sub 150, that's like this thing called Dunbar's number. Once you go beyond 150, it starts to kind of get hard to, for primates for them to be able to groom each other. Um, but it's hard. It's like the, the the town gets too big to keep track of everybody. But within that small confined kind of band of, of, of humans, it's like, oh, we take care of each other. When you get into the world that we're in now, then it's it makes perhaps somehow more sense to be much more nuclear and separate right. and isolated and we take care of our, our own right and you you can live in a place for 10 years and never meet your neighbor it's very different mm-hmm. yes yeah. <laughs> very true. and i kind of felt guilty the other day i was like i haven't met all the pe- i don't have a lot of people in my building and i sometimes feel like a i don't know sometimes it's my mood not to because then I feel almost like a responsibility. <laughs> right, if we have this relationship every day, I'd be like, hey, Susan, yeah. hey. Which I don't mind. It's, it's, it is a weird resistance yes. thing I have. There's I Dr. Bob, who's like a neighbor. He's two doors down. <laughs> and honestly, when I first moved in, I was like, I had this fantasy of me and Dr. Bob becoming like that. What's that book where he like... <laughs> Tuesdays with Maury. Mm. I'm like, wow, this is going to be Tuesdays with Maury. I'm going to hang out with Dr. Bob. He's going to teach me about life and it's going to be a thing. And then honestly, he gave me his book and then he started to come over and then I was like, I don't want this. <laughs> I was like, I don't want to be talking to Doc. And then I'd be by my car and he'd corner me by his car and talk to me for 45 minutes. And I'm like, dude, I have to go. I don't have time to be like Dr. Bob's best friend. So I wonder, I wonder in relation to like the, the facial expression stuff, if perhaps people's acuity to gestures will start to atrophy mm, as yeah. a product of not learning that growing up. Yeah. I you'd be that. a bunch of Dr. Bob's following people around. It's like, yeah. I never learned. Yeah. Mm, <laughs> honestly. Mm. Well, Dr. Bob's an angel, but it's like an angel, but you know, whatever. But I also wonder too, if it's like, you know, I think that the the trajectory and trend is for us to be able to read intuitively people's energies and people's auric fields and understand like, like my electromagnetic field will be in touch with yours. And I think that we'll be able to really be in tune to that more so than just like, it's kind of primal to be still on facial features if we think about it. Yeah. You know what I mean? If we were thinking about like next steps in ascension, it would be tele- telepathy. So it's like, it's almost like that Maybe might could, be helping that. Yeah. I mean, you could certainly suggest that. Yeah. If you take away senses, then other yeah. ones tend, you tend to have more bandwidth in other we directions. Need neural yeah. I don't know. Do you think Neuralink's going to be a... Be, I mean, I like the beginning stages of Neuralink. I don't really... I'm not so enamored with like the long-term I Yeah, I, I actually... I didn't understand... Um, We're talking about the Elon Musk yeah, Neuralink. I, yeah. I guess I'm trying to understand um, what the the overall benefits were and I, I didn't really grasp them. I don't either. I mean, yeah. I think Elon Musk is an alien and he 100%. understands mm-hmm. things that no, no normal people... It's interesting watching... It's almost like he's introducing it slowly. He's yeah. like, like everything's like already done. Yes. Yeah. And he's right. just kind of like... like the, the stupid so humans can pigs. only handle this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. Yes. We're like on another planet. It's and he's like, this pig can still drink water. We're like, <laughs> that's worth it. <laughs> it's interesting seeing... It's, it's interesting watching life from the lens of history. And so if you look at like Elon Musk on the TV talking about Neuralink and it's like 2020, you're sitting watching on your, you know, your 
whatever your your flat screen TV, and it's like this is you'll, you'll be telling your kids about this. At mm-hmm. some point, Elon Musk is going to be one of those. He'll, he'll be like a Tesla yeah. or like an Edison or like an Abe Lincoln type figure where you look back and like Elon Musk and like kids are learning about him in school. It's very fascinating. It's, 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 it's as though, you know, you're back in the day and like Ben Franklin's out flying a, flying a kite around. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh, there's Ben. Yeah. He's like, no, that's Ben Franklin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was that? Um, JP, JP Sears has a good video. It's like... Um, for people that have an unhealthy obsession with Elon Musk. <laughs> and then he also has one too. It's like, he's like, for rich people that want to look like they care about the environment. And he's like, check out my Tesla. Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> like, like he talks about his like Tesla. It's so funny. Yeah. 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 I don't even know how we got there, but um, I just want to come back a little bit to, <laughs> I just want to come back a little bit from Neuralink and pigs um, to like a work from home setup. Yeah. Very, very 360. But I just yeah. want to come up like, what would be the ideal work from home setup for people that have to be at their computer now? They're working from home. Maybe they have Zoom calls during the day so that they can try to feel as optimized and energized as possible. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a whole chapter in the book, how to align your office, align your home, align your travel, all that stuff. And in the, the home travel office setup, the one big thing would be uh, just making sure you run Windows. And so it's all stuff like you You need to exercise your eyes. You need to have access to various different temperatures. All of those act as little little hermetic stressors. They're little exercises for your body. So we think of exercise. We put it into the container of like, okay, exercise is like burpees, pull-ups, bicep curls, Zumba exercise. It's like exercise every time you get a little bit cold and your body has to thermoregulate and figure that out. That's exercise. Every time you get a little bit hot, every time you look out in the distance, every time you focus in, uh, all of those are opportunities to actually train your body. Uh, so that would be one thing. It's like just crack a window, you know, look out it, uh, get yourself down on the ground with some degree of regularity. You know, so in the book, we call them them uh, resting postures of repose. You know, so you can think of just spending time on the ground. Many cultures around the world uh, still do this obviously like squatting and all that that the i think it's the sami people in um finland they're reindeer herders i believe it's finland sami people you gotta fact check that but uh they work very hard you know and they're out and they're herding reindeer and it's cold and all that stuff when they hang out with people and they come back it's totally casual to like lay down on the floor on their back Put your feet up on the side that's of a heaven. chair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, that's honestly a dream. And that's what I mean. So when I go, so I'll go as you guys do as well, I'm sure, like go to certain conferences and things like that. And sometimes, you know, whatever, do workshops and that. And people be standing around at this like health in quotation concert or uh, conference. And they're just haggard and tired. It's just so tiring to just stand in place all day long. What a paradox. That it's that much more tiring for you to stand your ass in place compared to walking, laying down your back, sitting down on the floor, because you're circulating yourself. Mm. And so when you go through those those really simple ancestral ranges of motion that you can integrate in your daily life, um, it's like you can think of yourself like a pond and you need to circulate the fluids throughout your pond. So typically people have a tendency of going doing like one big pond waterfall surge a day. They just blow out the pond with like a big workout thing. And then the rest of the day, the pond just kind of is like little dripples. It's just like, oh, it's like stagnance. So what the pond really likes is if you could start to integrate 
Uh, maybe get like a comfy rug, like you guys do a great job here. Uh, get some, you know, Moroccan poofs and some floor cushions and like make it stylish, make it cool. It doesn't need to be like your aesthetic, you know, you're like sitting on just a dry, cold floor. You know, like make it cool. And uh, with that, then people will be invited to go through a full range of motion with their hips, through with their knees, with their ankles. They're going to open and close those pelvic floor muscles. Uh, they're going to get some mobility through the spine. You know, it's a, it's a really huge deal to get that range of motion with regularity. And one of the best things that people can do is just simply make their home more floor hospitable. And what that will also translate to is, uh, you know, you might have more fun with your partner. You might have weird sex and strange positions and ranges. It's not just like, okay, honey, we're going to the bed. <laughs> you know, it's like, no, no, no. Like, we can do it anyway. Yeah. Like, the whole house is comfortable and it's like feng shui and it's like a vibe mm-hmm. and there's like air coming in and it feels like, wow, like mm-hmm. you just feel alive. Mm-hmm. When you feel alive, suddenly you have libido. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's it's like, if you're wanting to do all these things, it's like, okay, I live in this stagnant, consistent mm. air temperature apartment with the blue lights and I'm in that same hunched over defeated position since I was in kindergarten stuffed into some desk that I didn't fit into you know and now I'm 40 years old and I'm breathing through my mouth and I'm you know expressing all these patterns and being a little bit stressed out and all of a sudden I've got ED and I'm like I need some pills for this and it's like no you need to do any of these other things that we're talking about right now and they'll start to aggregate and add up, and you'll be a more robust human being. Mm-hmm. But everything, it's like, who is it? I think it was Dr. Gabor Mate, who's he's like, uh, do you guys know him? He'd no. be a great person on the podcast. Mm-mm. He's like the world's leading uh, addiction, uh, psychology around addiction expert. I've done, I think, like three podcasts with him at this point. He's just like, I, I like, I'm so enamored with him. And one of the things he's mentioned before is like how crazy it is that he gets paid very well to tell people the simplest stuff that they already know. You know. So we're always waiting for like, okay, here's here's the grand solution. It's like the panacea. It's like everything. It's almost, it's a little bit like, un. I'm waiting for like some big climax to be able to share with you guys. Like, this is the thing. It's like, no, it's it's stuff that just hang out with your kids. <laughs> your, your kids are, are nailing most of these things. Get a chair, put your kid beside it, see what they do with it. One of the last things they'll do, (laughs) unless they're mimicking you, is sit still on the chair. You know, but if they are in a world where their environment is such that all they have access to is, you know, things like they have a lot of technology, they have the iPad, they have, you know, all of those things. That's like, okay, it's more likely to just kind of slump into the couch and do that. But if you take that away and you go to any culture around the world that doesn't have access to this stuff, they're throwing sticks and they're playing capture the flag and they're, you know, it's like the idea of just sitting in a chair all day staring into a screen is like is like wild. Mm-hmm. But in the world that we live in, if you're not able to do that, then it's like, oh, that's a problem. We need to medicate that child. And so it's uh, the ways to change your home environment would be, um, you know, think of your home almost like uh, you become the shape of that place. And so just have a little moment of, of auditing and look around your place and be like, do I want to become the shape of this? You know, and so if you maybe you could add like a little pull-up bar to one of your doorways that you walk in through with regularity. Now, when you walk through, you do a little 
Woo! You do a little swing. You can smile while you do it. You can breathe. You can twist your spine a little bit. Mm. Oh, have a long exhalation. Open those shoulders up, which, you know, your postural patterns have been shown to affect the way that you access memories when you're in a shoulders back, strong, you call it a line position. Mm. It's easier for you to access feel-good memories because historically you've anchored those postural positions of being shoulders back, you know, breathing down around my diaphragm. I feel feel good and relaxed. Historically, you've anchored that position to be, okay, every time I'm in that position, I feel good. I have one, I feel safe, I feel loved. And then the opposite position, historically, every time you've lost, every time you've been scared, every time you've been sad, every time you've been stressed, your body does what? Contract. Yeah. yeah. Your shoulders go in, your spine comes forward. Maybe you'll clench your fists a little bit and you'll fit your jaw a little bit. So when you put yourself in that, physiological state, it's easier for your mind to go back into the whole catalog of the times that you felt a little bit more crummy. Right. So throughout the day, if you want to start to tune your thoughts, one place that you could come from is tune the uh, tune your body. And something that naturally does that is just something as simple as like getting a big comfy rug and you know, instead of going coming back home from a long day of sitting in the same position over and over again, and you sitting in your special chair, why don't you come and lay on your comfy rug and twist yourself out a little bit? And, you know, you're going to check your emails. Maybe you could put a pillow underneath your hips and kind of sit back in almost like a, like a sphinx position. Mm-hmm. You check your emails, you're opening your chest up, you're tuning your body by just naturally existing in your life. Mm. If you can get on that train... Now you have longevity. Now you have sustainability because it, it, it is who you are. For the most part, we're in a, a model that forms us into the statistics that I was describing previously. And then we are purchasing on QVC or Amazon some type of gizmo or device in order to solve the problem without actually addressing the mold. You know, so it's like we're, what is the, what is the quote? We're, we're fishing for minnows while we're standing on top of a whale. <laughs> you know, so we're all on this big whale, the way that we we live in our homes and our offices and our travel experiences. And then we're out getting all these gadgets and gizmos. You know, so that would be a big thing. It's just really like doing a little audit, look around your house and be like, is this what I wanna is this the shape I want to turn it into? Mm. Yeah, so the the other day I was with my brother and we did I did the Theragun on him, mm-hmm. which Sometimes the Theragun annoys me because it's so like intense. Oh, you got to get the newer ones. I know. Yeah. Yeah. They're still yeah I have the old, old There's so many school. versions of it. Though. You can get different ones. But it was wild because he's been just, you know, struggling, um, struggling with anxiety and, mm-hmm. and things like that. I did it like on parts of his body that have been tight, just like all over. And like some of it was like ticklish and he was laughing. And it was just like this movement in his body, like this kind of circulation, this stimulation. And on the other side of it, he was completely different. Whoa. Like came in anxious, kind of like, I want to punch a wall. Yeah. And we did that. He was laughing. Like he, we could have a whole other conversation about like mood and anxiety, depression, and like your actual like facial muscles aren't being used in the way, you know, that connection. But he was laughing and I feel like he hasn't laughed in a while. Yeah. And it just completely changed. Everything. Yeah. I don't know how how long it lasted for him, but it was really cool well, to see because I felt like that physical connection. It'll last as long as that. 
as long as the momentum of the rest, yeah. that momentum will last as long as the rest of the environment yes. slowly kind of pulls it back to that default mode. Yeah. Right? So what you need to do is you don't just need the, the gun. You need to look at, okay, cool. Like this state, I like this. This is nice. Uh, now let's go back to your house. What's the color of your walls? You come in here, it's like, oh, it's like this kind of like salmon pink stuff with like this fun, like 70s retro thing. And it's like plants. And it's like, ah, this is an expression of you guys. This didn't just accidentally happen. Mm -hmm. Right. So if you felt more, maybe like more gothic emo, something like that, that was your expression. (laughs) That's that's my house. (laughs) Great. great. There's nothing wrong with anything. There's nothing wrong with anything. It's just, it's just, again, it's like coming through and taking a little audit and saying, okay, what does this room mean? Because it has meaning. Yeah. Yeah. Every time you walk into that room, it's confirming your identity. Mm Mm-hmm. So yes. if you're in that place of like, wow, I got a little, a little, you know, gun percussor momentum in my back here. I'm smiling. All right, cool. Uh, maybe let's go cloth- clothing shopping. Let's get you a new outfit. Mm-hmm. Now, I want you to feel fresh. You know, I want to keep this momentum going. Right. You know, all right, let's. You want to go play ultimate frisbee or basketball or let's go driving golf balls or something. Let's like, let's keep going. You know, and you build and you build and you build that momentum, but you're going potentially against, ideally with, if you start to make some subtle changes, but you're going against the momentum of your whole life. So those little bits of, oh, we're moving, you know, it's like, it's a great time to clean your house. It's a great time to get rid of shit. You might be holding on to some painting that your ex got you from, you know, five years ago that just reminds you of, you know, the old past pain and this and that. And you, but you don't want to let go, you know. So it's like it's like no, like this is this really snapped me into the present. I'm gonna get rid of all this stuff. I'm gonna bring in some new, you know. And then from there, it's like, man, this couch. It's not really my vibe. I don't really like this. I barely even sit on it. Every time I sit on it, it's like it's, it's crunching over my posture, and it just feels, you know. Maybe I'll I'll uh, maybe I'll get a different couch, or maybe I'll maybe I will I'll try that that floor sitting thing. I'm gonna get a comfortable rug. I'm gonna get some pillows and. Tonight we're gonna do, you know, roll around the the the, the rug. Maybe we'll do acro yoga, you know. And it slowly builds and builds and builds. Right. Maybe I'll get essential oils in my house. I'll change the smell, you know. So when you come into that house, you smell these maybe lavenders or whatever whatever it may be that makes you feel a certain way. More momentum. Now maybe I have to look at my relationships because these relationships that I've structured, they want to hold me into a specific identity structure. Because if I start to change, maybe that will make them feel uncomfortable. Maybe it will make them feel like they need to change. Uh, they don't really maybe want me to change because maybe they don't want to change. So they don't want to rock the boat. Maybe I need to spend less time with those people. Now, I've, I've created space from a couple people that might have been more like vampirical in my life, but I didn't realize it because maybe I was codependent. You know, and now there's more space. Now I go to this other place that brings me joy, like we were talking about before. I'm there. And now... Wow, because I have more bandwidth for these new relationships, ooh, they come in. Okay, I changed the color of my walls. My house smells like, you know, essential oils, and I've got new friends and I've got a new outfit. Holy shit. That precursor massage thing on my back, that was powerful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a life edit. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> my it is. I did an episode on like what I call the life edit. And it's just looking at all those things. It's like 
every single thing in your closet. Do you like this? Like, mm-hmm. do you actually like this? Do you feel mm-hmm. good in it? Every single thing in your pantry. Do you like this? Does it make mm-hmm. you feel good? Yeah. How you decorate, then your relationships and everything. But yeah, it's powerful. I mean, that kind of thing is huge. It's interesting how I've been coming back around to like dressing, like how you dress and even like your environment of your home. You know, before I'd be like, oh, that's like, I don't want to be vain, not vain, but I was like, I don't want to be materialistic and like focus on my clothes and whatever or my home. And now I'm like, wow, like that is so powerful to just like value yourself enough to feel good in what you wear. You know, it doesn't need to be X, Y, and Z, but you just need to feel good in it or your home, like whatever it is that's going to make you feel good in it, you should feel permission to do. Yeah. Your, your life, you're like a, a sailor. You are on a boat. Let's hear this one. (laughs) You're on a boat. boat. You're on a boat. We're on a nice catamaran. It's a nice catamaran. (laughs) Right. So you got the sails. Okay. You need to position the sails in such a way that you catch wind anywhere you can. And so if you get wind from getting a little massage thing from your sister, pull the sails up, grab it. You know, and then you're, oh, we're moving a little bit, you know, but every opportunity that you have, that's what I was saying. It's like, you know, in, in the book, I kind of just present all of these wind options. You know, here's all of the levers that you can possibly pull. Pull any of them. And then from there, you'll see the cataract get a little, woo, woo, moving a little bit, you know? And then it's like, okay, let's, let's compound that with, a, with another pull. Woo, and woo, more, you know? And it, but you need, if you're coming from a, a cold stop, like it's going to take more than just, uh, you know, a simple thing, you know? And so, and, and, but the simple thing could be the thin end, thin end of the wedge that does make all the difference. I wouldn't take away from the simple thing, you know, but it's like, we need to allow uh, space. We are so results driven that these simple things mm-hmm. compounded are are going to make that difference, create that momentum. But people want the results of like, why isn't this essential oil changing my life? Or like, why isn't, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm kind of speaking about uh, my relationship with my brother right now where it's like, He's like, it has to work. It has to work, right? Like these, these one, like the one thing. But to your point, it's like, it's being aware and catching that momentum in order to drive to the next thing that also creates momentum and change and, yeah. and that feel good yeah. feeling. How have you guys been feeling through all of the last few months? I know that's a big, huge question. Yeah. It's been like, it, it's definitely been up and down. But what I think is constant is just like, I do feel more space. So like, that is like something that I'm pretty fascinated with personally, where it's like, oh, there's, we're traveling less. We, it's not that we have less on our plates, but there is more bandwidth per se to actually like be with it and immerse ourselves in it. So it feels less like it's piling on top and it's more just like channeling through and just feeling very much a part of it. What's been like the the unmentionable shit parts of yeah. the last few months? They're unmentionable. Yeah, unmentionable. <laughs> Maybe what are the mentionable yeah, shit big parts? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, what are the mentionable shit parts? Mm, I don't know. I feel like... I don't know. It's hard to describe. Hmm. And I'm very much like when I'm in it, there's nothing else. And when I'm out of it, there's nothing else. 
So I'm feeling good now. So it's hard for me to like reach back to times when it was really hard. Yeah. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, I think it's just been a year of contrast, you know, a year of like, it's just fascinating. You know, when you talk to everyone and even myself, it's like, oh, this year has been so hard. You know, everything's so hard. It's crazy. And technically we're living better than we ever have before in history hmm. of our knowings, history of our knowings, you know? Yeah. Not talking about like if we were in Atlantis or something, but it's like, so there's like that paradox of like, but we're living better than we ever have. Like think about the way that we live our life. And then there's like, oh, everything sucks. The world's going to end kind of mentality. So there's that. And then there's, yeah, just, you know, whenever there's a year of extreme growth, it's always like, oh man, like this has been either really hard or, and it's not often really beautiful that you learn so much, but it's the beauty on the other side. So it's just been, yeah, incredibly transformational. I think this would have happened either out and outside of COVID. This year would have happened for me anyways. Mm. Um, but yeah. I think with you guys, it's interesting because you do, uh, both of you do a really good job with, with, uh, um, I think like making people feel special and like presence and, you know, like you, even in this, like little, little things, like you take notes and you, you know, you went through the book and you're, you're like, you really like show up mm-hmm. for the people that come into your world. And it's an interesting thing when that's like, that's kind of your mode and that's your, your work in this case. Uh, but also to have that, the space in your own life to be able to like fill your cup. Yes. And it's an interesting thing mm-hmm. when like the cup is not full. And then I have to go back into the role of like opening the cup up. It's like a very interesting yeah. dance. Yes. Have you guys felt that with with uh, with things? Yeah, I feel like I run around like I'm like, okay, I'm on the phone with someone and then I'm texting someone and then I'm in a meeting and then I'm calling someone, then I'm walking, then I'm seeing someone. I'm, I'm with people all the time because I have a really good circle and I have tons of friends home. And it's amazing. But sometimes I'm like, ah, what are you where are you? You know, I'm like, where are you when you're talking about this guy that's not texting someone back or you're calling about this and you're talking about and you're in crisis mode with all these people and going through all these things. I'm like, okay, but where are you? Mm. You know, and I I find myself not showing up in the way that I want to all the time because I'm like so maxed. Yeah. You know, because I have so many people that I care about that I love, but it's like, I'm not, it's hard to sometimes be because it's so much. Yeah. I was, I was talking with a friend yesterday and we were playing paddle tennis. Mm. And that's like kind of like my one of my, my many therapies. And he's going through all sorts of stuff right now. And uh, so the beginning of it was just like talking about all of his stuff. And as we were about to play, it's like one of the things that he has is like guilt that he's here playing paddle tennis right now. And within that, it's like paddle tennis, the metaphor of paddle tennis is so important because this is, it's like you're purging. It's like you're healing. It's your posture of repose. It's your, it's your retuning your instrument so you can actually go out and show up and be full you, have your cup full to be able to share. And that was just an interesting thing that I, moment that I had with him. And it was just like, if you are not here out of guilt, then you're not here. You may as well just not be here. You know, so while we're you're doing this thing that's restorative for you, if you bring all the baggage of the guilt and this mm-hmm. and the that, 
you miss the restoration. Yes. So going back to like the food analogy, this is why I'm on this like food analogy, like you close your system down to be able to receive receive that sustenance. And so it was just an interesting thing to like, uh, that's something that I've been been pondering on since yesterday, talking to him of the value of being able to uh, show up 100%, like with all of yourself in a thing, especially in the selfish things. You know, so especially the things like, I'm filling up, I'm really, I'm going to fill. And then you can go too full where now it becomes this weird narcissistic, you're starving in another way. Mm-hmm. You know, but I think sometimes it's, it, we can almost like feel, or I can feel guilty for doing the things that, that feed me mm. in a way. Yes. And then I end up closing myself off to being able to eat. And now I need to do more of that stuff because I didn't actually eat. I did the the motions of eating, but I didn't actually eat. Right. Mm -hmm. I think women too, especially feel guilty for eating. So the nourishment is kind of missed. You know, the ritual and like the actual nourishing action of eating is like, there's so much guilt and shame Mm -hmm. that it just kind of like can ruin the actual processing and prevent you from being fed or nourished in the way that we seek. Yeah. Yeah. So I wonder that, I think that's just a major conversation. When you look at a, a world that is filled with all of the, the, the doohickeys and you know everything that you could possibly have to make yourself the most raddest version of you, um, it feels to me like perhaps because Maybe we lack a practice in um, presence. You know, maybe we lack like. I think the presence might be a big, a big thing. You know, maybe we feel undeserving. You know, or we feel like, oh, I'm not, I'm not worth this and that. You know, but as long as we're in that place, it doesn't matter what kind of technological gadgets and doohickeys that you have around, or the best, you have the best food, you have the quality, the best of everything. If you're not able to receive it, you're still starving. And so I think it's an interesting thing just to like, again, you know, take an audit of your, your home, look around and see what's the, what it's forming you into. And then also maybe going through and taking an audit of like, where am I at when I'm you know, with my people? Where am I at when I'm you know, doing any activity when I'm at work? Like, where am I? Am I actually there or am I mm-hmm. pulled in all these different directions? Yeah. Totally. Yes. Uh, I don't have any solutions or anything. It's just it's just an interesting thing that I I feel like is relevant for me. Yeah, yeah. Balance needs to be struck. Sometimes I'm I'm too far on the other end Mm. where I really like having time by myself. Yeah, but then I like kind of forget the the value and see like where I there is a part of me that gets filled up by being with people, and there's a part of me that you know just depends on on the situation. But yeah, it's it's definitely. And it all comes back to just like knowing yourself and like what you really, what you really need. I actually appreciate when there was a friend the other day who was like, "Hey, like I, I can't, I can't go on a walk tomorrow because I really need the morning to myself." And I was like, "Awesome." <laughs> I sometimes get- I was like respect and like that's I that's, love when people are like that. yeah. I I just I really appreciate it because. I'm like that, but like I don't actually make the plans to cancel. I just don't do it. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I know that I need it, so I just don't engage with plans as often as as maybe is normal. But yeah, I appreciate that. What does knowing sometimes I get flustered with ideas like that because it's almost like too big for me to digest? Like, what does knowing yourself mean? Mm-hmm. 
I guess I'm talking about it in the context of like being present to what you need in the moment. Yeah, sorry. I was just going to say, it's something on that. It's interesting. I was just thinking about, there's this um, healer, channeler person. His name is Phil Good. He doesn't do any appointments. He only allows his schedule to open up for the next day. So that day, he's like, tomorrow I have these times available. And he doesn't make any plans with people. <laughs> Which is like, honestly, he's like unreal. It's, it's an unreal thing. I would thing. love for you to have him on Same. your pod first. <laughs> no, we're getting him first. It's just, so, and then he said, he's like, you know, my guides told me that if we're existing here, but then again, we're like interdimensional or mm-hmm. we're like, there's like an infinite possibility. So every time you're making a plan, it essentially is like, using an energy or there's like a an energy that's created when we make a plan maybe next week for an interview. There's yep. like that plan is existing in the ether and it could cause like energetic residue or whatever. And it was just fascinating to think about all the ways in which essentially when your calendar is planned out for a year in advance, days in advance, you make all these plans with people, like you are stretched because in your mind you're here, but then you're also all these other places because you have all these other plans. Yeah. yeah. I think it depends on the personality type. For sure. I some, mean, some people mm-hmm. that's like what they thrive on is having that structure. Some yes. people's structure makes them go crazy. Yes. So this guy, what's his name? Dan Good? Phil Doctor, Good. Phil Good. Phil Good. Um, <laughs> is he a doctor? Dr. Phil? No, no. Okay. <laughs> no, no. A doctor of spirit? Yeah, literally. Yeah. yeah. So, so for him, for him, he has the personality type that's such that you know the, the confines wake him out. Mm-hmm. Whatever that relates back to, probably some childhood mm-hmm. something, or maybe answer. I don't know, whatever. You know, but then some for some other people, they need that containment in order to feel safe enough to travel. You know, and so it's like training a dog. You know, which I'm not a dog trainer or whisperer or anything, but I've I've heard that sometimes uh, you want to kind of put a dog into like a submissive position to like let them know that like you're in charge. And then once they have the sensation of like, okay, cool, there's some there's some structure in this house. Okay, I can go play. You know, the same thing with with children, not that they need to feel, you need to put them in like, roll them on their belly and put them in a submissive position, but they they need to feel like you're in control. And if they feel like, okay, daddy and mommy are in control, this feels like, wow, I cry, they're there. You know, like if they, they, they just, they, they show up for me, then they'll start to wander a little bit further away, you know, and then they come back, they wander away, they hurt themselves, there's a boo-boo, they come back, full support, like, whoa, this is a supportive environment that I live in, you know, and then they wander away further. And so I think it's like, it's a, a balance of uh, me personally, I start to wig out if I don't have any structure. And then when I have too much structure, I will feel myself start to kind of sabotage it. Same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a good it's like, roll, it's like a roller coaster. Same. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I do. I'll just like mm-hmm. fucking eat. <laughs> like, Me too. I'm like, I need a damn treat. Do you mm-hmm. ever open, I'm structured. Yeah. I need a treat. Do you ever open your fridge like five times thinking that something might yes. all of a sudden suddenly yes. appear? Yes. It's just like still just eggs, butter, <laughs> and like, sauerkraut. I wonder if I could make a pancake <laughs> with yes. this. <laughs> Dude, the food I used to like invent just mm-hmm. to create a treat. This was a treat. Thank you. <laughs> no, truly, this was. I really enjoyed this conversation, and the book is incredible. I think it's like one of those books which I love mm-hmm. that you can just have at the ready and like open it and find something that you could implement today. Called the Align Method. I think your podcast is incredible as well. Thank you, the Align Podcast. I appreciate that. What I love about your podcast is like you try you. You're very mobile with your pod. 
Mm. I don't know how you, how you've been recently, but it's it's kind of cool. Like, oh yeah, I go places. Yeah, yeah. I just got back from. I did a podcast with Bruce Lipton. No way. Yeah, I could link you guys up. If you want. He's, he's, yeah. he's great. He's one of my favorites. That's he, been one of the most popular episodes as well. He's iconic. Hmm. Yeah, he's like he's one of those guys. He gave me a, a jar of weed too. He grew it himself. I was so excited. Cool. So he was yeah. the first guy. He was the first guy that uh, when I was like. 16, I think I, I was, I read the biology of belief mm-hmm. and, uh, that at that point I was just obsessed with like bodybuilding, deeply insecure, still insecure, but you know, a little <laughs> bit more evolved, <laughs> like an evolved insecure. Yes, of course. Um, Ram Dass, since we started talking about Ram Dass, I'll finish with, with Ram Dass. He talks about having your neuroses, you know, so he's got like his, you know, his sexual perversions or mm-hmm. feeling like unwanted or feeling, you know, all, all the things, uh, and said with time, None of the neuroses go away. They just kind of become more like your children. Mm-hmm. And so at one point, the neuroses, you give them power by maybe running away or maybe, you know, having fear around them. But, you know, you come to a point where you're like, oh, like, yeah, yeah, there's that I love you know, feeling. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's that feeling like I'm not uh, loved in this room. Mm-hmm. I walk into the room, I'm like, these people don't like me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, oh, like there that that thing is like, oh. Like how sweet, mm-hmm. yes. you know, and you can kind of create a little bit of separation, but not disassociation. You know, it's more like like deeper association or acceptance and love, but not being disempowered by it. And uh, so that Ramdas lightened his life. That was his his perception of his neuroses that he had throughout his life. It's like they're all still there, but now they're like his children. And so he can you know sit down and we can have tea and you know like oh yeah there you are popping up again. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I was talking about Ram Dass. I love Ram Dass. That's what mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. Yes. Yeah. Oh, the mobile Bruce Lipton. Yes. And then we ended with the Ram Dass. Oh, so he's, sorry. That was very, very uh, tangential way to describe the, the Bruce Lipton stuff. So he was the first guy to get me into going from being like bodybuilding obsessed and all that stuff. Um, he kind of started to change my mind into more of this like mind-body relationship, mm. you know, and epigenetics and how our thoughts start to, you know, form our, our bodies. And so he's, in large part responsible for like the production of like the line method and all that stuff. Uh, and so it's such a fascinating thing to get to show up now, 17 years later or whatever, and be like in his house and like trading, you know, doobies and stuff. <laughs> it's such a fascinating thing. <laughs> such a last. fascinating thing, the way that life works that, that way. Yes. Like literally like thinking Full back to my, my little 15 year old self, you know, just Dude. slamming protein bars and having diarrhea farts and whacking <laughs> off. And, you know, like I'm just like there. You know, and then all of a sudden, like fast forward, here I am with the guy, like smoking a dude. Wow. Very fascinating how, how life works. You manifested it. Yeah, truly. Yeah, well, so, what is manifestation? I know. It's just like, <laughs> you walked in that direction. You, know, <laughs> so you arrived someplace. Um, where can people find and connect with you? Well, I think you guys mentioned online podcast. That's like a, a place. So that's the same thing on Instagram, online podcast. And I try to post things that are supportive to people and uh, do the best I can with that in the book. And um, I think those, those are great places. There's an online program that goes, it's like the addendum to the book, uh, but there's a whole bunch of free goodness before that. So if you just go into the online podcast world, you'll find lots of things that help further this conversation. So good. Thank you, Aaron. Yeah, of course. You're the best. All right, y'all. We'll see you next time. All right, guys. We love you. Bye. Bye.
Thank you so much, Erin. You can find out more at alignpodcast.com. You can find his podcast and also his Align Method, the program, the book, and the band. Thanks for coming on, my friend. Thank you all for listening. Y'all are the freaking best. We're so grateful as we near the end of 2020, beginning of 2021. Just know that we're here to support you. You can go to our shop, almost30.com. We have workbooks, we have workshops, we just have support systems to help you in your evolution, help you during this time, help you to find inner peace, inspiration, and really just come back to you. So check that out. And we will see you on the next one.